Welcome back to Health Conscious. This week's guest is Megan Corcoran from Oscar Health. In this interview, we talk a little bit about her career, her passion for global health, and uh, her work on the payer side. Without further ado, here's Megan. Welcome to Health Conscious. This is Joseph. Uh, I'm here today with Megan Corcoran from Oscar Health. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. First of all, thanks so much for having me. It's great to, to chat with Karen Sloney. Um, I always love connecting back to the program. So I actually started my Cornell career as an undergrad um, at Ender Sloan, you know, as a five-year student. Um, and I started in human ecology and came in as a biology and society major. And I was actually on the pre-med track. I passed my first organic chemistry prelim. And <laughs> after I kind of did that, proved that you know I, I could do the, the pre-med thing if I wanted to, I decided um, that I really didn't want to be a clinician, um, but was still really interested in healthcare. Um, and, and what really attracted me to healthcare was just the fact that it's a problem that really matters to everyone. You know, we'll all be patients at, at some point in our lives. Um, and it also is just creates a lot of really complex problems to solve. Um, and I think that that's, you know, really interesting to think through um, and interesting, you know, creates interesting projects to work on. So after I decided I didn't want to be pre-med anymore, I, I kind of focused my undergrad experience more on the social science aspects of healthcare, um, and I found um, that I really liked those classes. I ended up adding a global health minor as well, um, and this program is probably actually my favorite Cornell experience. Um, it, it gave me exposure to kind of a way of thinking that was um, really different and actually pretty foundational, I think, to the way I approach um, solving health problems today. So um, the program was very kind of focused on taking a very holistic view of health problems, so looking at all of the different potential causes and um, influence that might be causing a person or a community to be having a type of health problem. So um, you look at you know anything from a biological, environmental, socioeconomic, genetic, political, all of those different factors that could impact the health status of a community and kind of tackle them one by one or together to, to come up with an intervention or a solution um, to a problem. So kind of doing that work, I ended up spending a summer abroad in Tanzania doing an HIV and AIDS awareness campaigns and education in a, in a really rural village. I got to live with a homestay family and work with Tanzanian University students on uh, leading these education events in the community that I was living in for that summer. Um, and I was able to see firsthand how all these different factors affected the health of the community as it related to HIV and AIDS. Um, so I think that experience really kind of solidified that I, I wanted to work in healthcare for, you know, for my career um, and also got me really excited to kind of keep digging into this world and kind of keep pursuing this career. And after that, after I did that program, I actually returned back to Cornell and started the Sloan program because I was a, a five-year student. So I started Sloan in my senior year of, of college. And I was still, you know, as a Sloanian, I think I was probably one of the few in my 
class that was still really interested in public health and global health. Um, and I kept kind of pursuing those interests all through my experience in Sloan. I think if you ask, um, like Julian Brooks, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that I'm pretty <laughs> relentless about that. Um, and I graduated in 2012, so um, the Affordable Care Act had recently been passed, and HBO is like a new, new ways to pay for health care. We're starting to become um, pretty popular. We're being talked about a lot in the colloquia that we had. I can remember colloquia where we had hospital administrators kind of coming, talking about how they would create infrastructure around these new payment models and, and figure out how to be successful in an ACO arrangement. Um, the CMS ACO program was getting started. So um, it was really, there, that side of healthcare was really interesting to me uh, because it was building on my global health and public health experience um, and kind of started to consider some of these really complex health problems or complex causes of health problems, uh, which I was excited about. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I think it's helpful to get the kind of whole perspective. Yeah, definitely. And I guess do you still have that interest in working on kind of global health projects, and are you able to kind of work that in with your work that you currently do or work coming out of Sloan um, in terms of that global effort? Yeah, you know, I think in the long run, I would I would love to make it back to global health and have a career kind of in more traditionally in, I think, that world in that sense. Um, I, you know, I think coming out of Sloan, it was really tough for me to find entry-level jobs that seemed interesting and exciting, um, so I would definitely like to get back to it. And I think I have had opportunities to kind of think in that way. Honestly, a lot of the programs, like care management programs that a health system wants to stand up to support an ACO or, or that type of kind of risk-based contract are very similar and can require some of that similar thinking. I don't know if you're familiar with DISRIP. It's a, a mm-hmm. Medicaid, uh, I guess, it's a, a New York State Medicaid program. They have them in other states as well, but um, it, it's a couple years old now, and it basically is this federally funded grant opportunity where um, health systems and their community partners have the opportunity to, to earn some funding if they can, um, or, or get funding to set up programs to reduce unnecessary hospitalization and kind of try to bring down the cost of the Medicaid population. Um, and I had an opportunity to work on this project as a consultant um, and help the, the health, my client, which is the health system, do their applications for this district program. Um, so we kind of developed the plan for the programs that they would administer and, um, you know, what, what kind of money they were looking for, how to staff the program and all that. So I have had some experiences working kind of on some of the stuff, but it's definitely been a bit later. Yeah, that's cool. I know a couple of my classmates are interested in global health, and one actually has like a nonprofit um, where he goes uh, during the breaks over um, to Ghana, I believe. Um, so I think that'll be like good context for him. Um, I guess yeah. c- coming out of Sloan, uh, I know you got the, the coveted Verilon position. Um, <laughs> can you talk about that experiences? that experience and the experiences after? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I ended up at Verilon when I joined it with DGA, um, and I was in such a good company. You know, there were so many phonies there in leadership and then also kind of at my level, so it was really nice to 
kind of enter the working world where I had a lot of friends um, and a lot of familiar faces. I I was there for four years. I started as an associate, moved up to senior associate by the time I left. Um, overall, had a really great experience. I learned a ton, um, and I would definitely encourage others to explore consulting as a first experience out of well, I think it's such a great learning opportunity, and you get exposure to a lot of different um, projects, types of work, um, different types of organizations as your clients. You can kind of learn what you like doing and what you're excited about. The firm has four main service areas, and they're pretty different. Uh, there's the evaluation service line, planning, M&A work, and then clinical transformation and value-based payment. And I was able to work across all four areas. So uh, again, just got a ton of experience and exposure to different types of work, um, and was able to work with hospital senior leadership, um, was able to work with physicians a lot in many different capacities. Um, which was really great and worked with a lot of different physician organizations and understanding how physician organizations are structured and how they operate has been really helpful um, in the work that I've done at payers since then. And do you think that, I guess, looking at that kind of, you, you spoke about payment models and looking at different risk sharing in kind of the global health, that kind of informed you wanting to work in a payer versus for a hospital? Yeah, so in, in deciding to leave consulting, I was, you know, ready for a change. And I had I had some experience working on uh, bundle payments at Marilyn, and I really enjoyed that work. Um, so it was really interesting, and, and I can, you know, talk about that if you want. But I wanted to kind of dig into that value-based payment world. I just thought that learning more about new ways to pay for healthcare were, were really interesting and um and the fact that our healthcare costs us so much is a really interesting problem to me. It's something I wanted to kind of be a part of and work on. Um, I also, as a consultant, my clients were primarily hospitals, health systems, or physician organizations, so I just didn't have that payer perspective really at all. Um, so I thought that going to a payer after consulting would also just round out my experience and kind of give me a view into how they think and uh, kind of what the day-to-day was like at that type of organization. And then, so moving on from Veriline, you worked at Aetna, correct? Mm-hmm, yep. And what was your what was your role there? Was it similar working on bundled payments, or uh, how did it differ? So it wasn't working on bundled payments specifically. Um, I was an engagement manager for value-based contracts in the New York market. So what that meant is um, I was on the team that managed all of the relationships with provider organizations in New York for Aetna. And there were people on my team that did um, like the day-to-day operations in terms of getting rosters from providers and things like that, and then also negotiated all of our contracted rates with providers in the market. So I kind of sat alongside of that team, and when it came down to implementing like an ACO arrangement or a paper performance arrangement, I was responsible for doing that, um, so making sure we had you know all of our contract signed, the, the roster set up to tag providers to. Um, a value-based contract and then also gave providers feedback on their performance in whatever contract they were in, so uh, letting know if they were trending in the right direction or not, um, you know, at the end of their performance here, letting them know if they would earn any short savings or a bonus payment, um, things like that, reporting out on quality scores regularly, so that was kind of my day-to-day at Aetna. Can you talk more about 
communicating with the providers about their performance and how they liked or disliked the, the metrics that they were kind of measured against or ways that they would like it to be improved? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question. Um, I was definitely surprised in that role as to how much kind of level setting I have to do each quarter with providers, just kind of reminding them what the nature of our arrangement was in, in terms of um, kind of the nitty-gritty details as opposed to the broader, bigger picture of this is an ECO-type arrangement versus a paper performance arrangement. So definitely had to always kind of level set at the start of a meeting and make sure we we're all on the same page and understanding how um, how they were being measured um, and how that tied to payments. Um, I think providers definitely expressed a lot of frustration with there just being so many different metrics and so many nuances to these arrangements across um, multiple pairs that they were, you know, working with on these types of initiatives, and uh, it definitely is a lot to manage. And I think in these types of deals, you know, the devil's in the details, and um, you definitely need to keep track of that just to be able to kind of maximize what you could potentially get out of it and uh, make sure that you hit all the targets that are set out for you at the, the start of a, a deal. And since you were at Aetna, you recently moved uh, to Oscar. Can you talk more about that role and maybe differences between a huge company like Aetna and uh, being at Oscar? Yeah. Um, so Aetna definitely is a large company, and you know, I was there for just under two years and was really missing the culture of a smaller organization. Uh, Fair Long is pretty small, um, so wanted to get back to that. Um, at Oscar, you know, it's definitely a younger company. Um, things happen, you know, there's a lot going on. So it's been nice to, to move back to a smaller org. Um, and most of the people that I work with are in person in New York. So it's been a nice transition from, from that perspective. Um, I also get to work with a lot of people from different backgrounds, not just healthcare. So I think there's a lot I can learn from, from others that haven't always worked in healthcare. Um, and that's really exciting to me. Um, my role specifically, so I'm on the provider engagement team, which is on the network team, um, and, and network and a payer org is, you know, responsible for managing the provider relationships. So my team in particular is definitely still doing a lot of planning around what types of programs we want to roll out. Um, our goal is to make sure that we're engaging our provider community in the best way we can so that our members and providers have a good experience in, in working with us. So. Um, definitely still a lot of planning and kind of figuring things out to do. So I don't have a ton of detail for you on, on what we've got going on quite yet, but um, hopefully some exciting things to come. Yeah. And with Oscar, there's, you know, the talk about their applications of technology to better engage members and providers and kind of changing the scape of uh, pairs overall. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, yeah, that's definitely really important to us. Um, you know, our overall mission is to, to restructure healthcare to make it easy, affordable, and seamless for our members to access high-value care. Um, and we're definitely good at engaging our members via our app um, and, and other channels to get them really involved in their healthcare. Um, and, and, you know, once we know more about a member, we can support them in a better way. Um, so it, it definitely helps us in terms of managing their health. Um, we have a, an integrated virtual care platform where we can help members navigate the healthcare system. Um, you know, they can schedule appointments with some providers through our app so they don't, they don't have to call. Um, 
every member also has a concierge team that they can outreach at any time, and they'll speak to the same set of people, um, so you can kind of get get a relationship going and kind of know who they're going to talk to. Um, and then we also have a telemedicine program that we operate, so you can, um, you know, request to have a doctor call you back and, and get a call back pretty quickly. I guess with all these various programs, the core of your um, kind of member base have to be pretty technologically savvy, or is that something that's true, or do you think it really varies where there's people kind of of all ages wanting to join this and all types of providers who are willing uh, to engage with Oscar? Well, I think there's kind of two parts to that question in terms of getting members to engage. You know, I definitely don't have all the staff on that, um, but I know that, you know, there is a difference in usage across different ages, I think is what you're implying. Um, but, you know, we're still able to get some of our older members to engage. And then in terms of provider engagement, I think in terms of providers engaging with different technology, that can be tough um, just because we're changing a lot of workflows. And we're also, you know, we're not, I think with providers, you're not starting from the same place that you're starting with numbers. Um, you know, I think in our personal lives, we're, we all use our phones a lot and we're using apps for many different things every day. I don't know that that's true in the provider world, right, where they're, how much they're using different types of technology to engage with payers. I think, um, you know, we're still using the fax machine, so I think there's a ways to go there. And shifting to um, kind of advice for students overall, most, most of the students, in my class at least, are very interested in towards kind of providers or consulting, you know, not too many into pairs. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, your experience with your class, uh, if there has been any changes and advice to people who are still kind of looking around, whether it be for internships or kind of full-time jobs and these types of roles? Yeah, I think um, I would definitely be a, a supporter of starting a consulting. I just think you get a really good foundation, um, and you not only do you learn a lot about the industry and whatever work you're doing, but you also learn a lot about yourself and what you like and what you don't like. Um, so definitely would kind of support starting there. In terms of, and I also think that hospital fellowships can be a great place to start just because you get exposed to um, all senior leadership and you get so much mentorship and support that those seem like really great opportunities as well. Um, if you're you know, really interested in, in being in a hospital, I think that's great. Um, I don't know... You know, because I didn't start in the parable, I can't speak to what it's like to have kind of an entry-level role. Um, I think there are like management development programs at a lot of these big companies. Um, but it's, it's definitely an interesting space to be in. It's really complicated. Um, payers are kind of in between providers, their members, and then also their clients, which are all these big employers in many cases. Not so much for us uh, anymore, but... Um, you're kind of juggling all these different, the priorities of all these different parties that have you know, different goals and needs and, atten- and uh, intentions, and it's, it creates some pretty kind of unique complex problems. So um, I think it's an interesting space uh, to be in. It can be, I think, just as kind of impactful as what you think about when you want to work at a hospital. And in terms of, I guess, making decisions, you know, at you know, different inflection points in your career, what were things that you were always considering? Yeah, I think I've, I've definitely gotten 
smarter about this more recently. Um, when you're kind of thinking about making a move and exploring opportunities, you know, I would always be be kind of picky about the team that you're joining in terms of, not only in terms of the role and the work you'll be doing, but also who you'll be working with. Um, I think, you know, especially being you know, younger and still in the, in the you know, definitely first half, you know, part of my career, I, I always want to be working with people that I can learn from that will teach me and help kind of bring me along. Um, and I think that that's something you should kind of actively look for in the interview process. And how would you best suggest that students kind of look at that working on a team? Because they, you know, a lot of times they have, you know, the point of contact about who they're interviewing. You know, they may be nervous about asking too much about the team and whatnot. Uh, how do you think would be best uh, to kind of approach that? Yeah, I, I would be, you know, I think it's fair to kind of ask to meet with or speak with one peer kind of at your level when you're interviewing it. I mean, I don't think it would be perceived as bad to ask for that, that we're still doing to say no. Um, but I think it would show a lot of interest in the role if you asked for something like that. I would also have questions about, you know, education and mentorship opportunities at the organization that are kind of formal programs and more informal programs. Um, you can ask about, you know, company culture, team culture. You can also ask your manager or the, the hiring manager what their management style is. Um, I've definitely started doing that, and I think it's, it's good to kind of hear from the manager's perspective how they kind of run the team and, and how they manage direct reports. And once you kind of learn what management style works best for you, you can kind of make some decisions based on that. Or at least know what you're getting yourself into, um, more so than kind of going blind. Yeah, definitely makes sense. I guess I have a question about kind of your use of the the, the Sloan Network since uh, kind of finishing up. How have you used it, or if you haven't used it, why have you not? Oh, I've, I've used it. <laughs> <laughs> as, you, as you knew that I, I started at Marilyn, so that was you know very Sloan Network heavy. Um, my job at Edna, I also got through another Sloney. There are a couple Sloney's still on that team. Um, so this role at Oscar is actually going to be the, by moving away from the Sloan Network, <laughs> um, not intentionally. But, you know, it's definitely been really valuable to me. Um, and it's so nice that it's a bit of a smaller program. Um, I think it creates really meaningful, lasting friendships and um, professional connections that have been really helpful to me. And with healthcare right now, there's a lot of uncertainty overall. What are your thoughts for kind of the future, uh, whether it be hospital or payer, or, you know, this Medicare for all? Um, what are your thoughts on those things? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think we're probably looking at um, deeper payer provider partnerships, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, you know, I don't think every hospital will become an insurance company, and I don't think every insurance company will build a bunch of hospitals, so we're probably looking at some type of some type of deep partnerships. What types of partnerships do you think those would be? Like, what would they look like? Um, I think, you know, the entering into true savings arrangements or risk deals where you have upside and downside risk or just um, some tighter working relationships where you're communicating about your shared members and patients more regularly and kind of really working together to, to do whatever it takes to keep people healthy and, and kind of keep them from accessing the healthcare system unnecessarily. All right. Thank you so much, Megan. And I, I would be 
remiss with without mentioning uh, that I uh, went recently to the Hymns Conference in Orlando, and um, you know while wandering through the half mile of exhibitors, uh, ran into your, your father, <laughs> which was a funny occurrence um, to meet you know right before meeting uh, and kind of speaking with you. Yeah, just yeah, I appreciate the shout out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It shows really shows how you know out of forty five thousand people. You could always find somebody affiliated with Cornell or Sloney in general. With that, uh, I really want to thank you uh, for being part of the podcast and allowing me to interview you. Megan for joining us on Health Conscious. Um, we learned a lot about global health and uh, how you navigated different areas of your career and kind of your passion about the payer side and opportunities there, as well as advice to students and how they should navigate different areas of their career. Uh, with that, I hope you guys have a great week.